you have your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 3. You say, why do we stand? I believe, I know it's antiquated, I know it's outdated, I know people say God's word is holy whether we sit or stand. I believe in honoring the word of God. His word is still absolute. His word is still the truth and his word is still holy. And we believe that concerning his word. Revelation chapter 3 and I want you to go to verse 12 and then I want you to take your finger and I want you to go to 2nd Chronicles and I want you to put your finger in 2nd Chronicles 3 and we're going to flip back there in a minute this is what the word said he who overcomes I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will go out no more I will write on him the name of my God the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write on him my new name now flip over to Second Chronicles chapter 3 verse 15 also this is talking of Solomon he made before the house two pillars of 30 and 5 cubits high and the chapter that was on the top of them was 5 cubits and he made chains this means interwoven chains a garland or it's or ornamental as in the oracle and put them on the heads of the pillars and made a hundred pomegranates and put them on the chains and he reared up the pillars before the temple and on one on the right hand and the other on the left and he called the name of that on the right hand Yaquin, and the name of that on the left Boaz Father I pray that as we entreat your word this morning you would speak to us and that you would minister to our hearts in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen and amen. Before you're seated, I want you to tell somebody, I was created to be a pillar. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Today I want to talk to you. I know what time it is. I will try to edit on the fly as best I can. Uh, I want to speak to you for a moment on becoming a pillar in the temple of the Lord. I want to speak to you about becoming a pillar in the temple of God. You and I were created for his presence. You and I were created for his glory, both to be the praise of his glory, according to Ephesians, and to dwell in his glory. That's what I was created for. I want you to understand that I am most me when I am with him because that I'm with him I am in the presence of the one who created me and so I see him and I become like him because I've been made in his image so I want you to hang with me because I want to speak to some people that feel like you are just God is trying to kill you and if we're honest, there's, some, there's times that all of us have been there. God, you must be trying to kill me. But oftentimes when God is trying to, when you feel like God is trying to kill you, what he's trying to do is prepare you. He's trying to prepare you. So first let's talk about the preparation. Let's talk about the experience of his presence. Second Samuel 7, we find that building the temple was David's idea. David had the idea to build the temple because he knew the presence of the Lord. In Psalm 140 and 13, we find the purpose of the presence. 
He said, surely the righteous will give thanks unto your name and the upright will dwell in your presence. There's protection in his presence. Psalm 9 and 3, when my enemies are turned back, they will fall and perish at your presence. In Psalm 121, the psalmist would say, the Lord, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And he will not cause my foot to be moved. He that watches over me will not slumber or sleep. He that watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun will not smite me by day, nor the moon by night. He will preserve my going in and my coming out, both now and forever more there is protection in the presence of the lord then there is pleasure in his presence psalm 16:11 said you have shown me the path of life for in your presence there is fullness of joy not just a little bit of joy but there is fullness of joy if you are lacking joy in your life what you need is not a red bull you don't need an energy drink what you need is to get in the presence of God almighty and he will fill your heart with joy and you get full of the holy ghost the bible said in acts 13:52 that they were all filled with the holy ghost and with Joy. There is pleasure and joy found in the presence of God Almighty. Then there is praise found in his presence. Psalm 95 and 2 said, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Can I can I just take a minute and express to you that what happened in this room this morning was a byproduct of praise. After we jumped and danced and went wild and crazy and, 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 and the Spirit of the Lord began to come in the room because he is dwelling, he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. And when we praise him, praise is the key that unlocks the door into his presence. Enter in, Psalm 100 said, enter into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts. There's a touch your neighbor, say there's layers to this. There's layers to this because the gates were not the same thing as the courts. The gates in the courts are different. The gates are on the outside of the city. They're the entry point. So when I'm entering into the presence, I'm doing so with thanksgiving. When I start to pray tomorrow morning, I'm going to enter in with thanks. Lord, I thank you to see another day. I thank you that you provided everything I needed for me. I thank you that every, before I even come to you and ask for anything, you already know what I need before I ask and you know every word that's formed on my tongue before it comes out. Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for delivering me. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you for rescuing me. I thank you for redeeming me and reconciling all of my mistakes back to Jesus. And now everything I've ever done wrong against you, it can be remembered no more against me. And you begin to thank him and you thank him. And then the second part is you enter into his courts with praise. The courts were deeper into the city. So if you want to go deeper into the presence, then you turn praise to him. He said, Lord, I 
thank you that you're kind. I thank you that you're faithful. I thank you that you're holy. I thank you that you're worthy. I thank you that your name is hallowed above every other name. And you know what starts to happen is that list that you came into your prayer closet with that you're trying to get God to answer, all of a sudden it disappears because you have magnified God and God has been made big in your situation and now everything you're worried about is so small when you view it next to him. The door into the presence is praise. Say, Pastor, why do we praise so much? Why do we sing so much? Why do y'all dance like that? Why? Because the door to the presence is praise. And presence, when we say presence is our purpose, it's not just something that we just mouth. And it's not just something we just waste hot air on. I live to be in his presence. I exist to be in his presence. Acts, Paul said in Acts, in him I live and I move and I have my entire being. And if I live to be in his presence then I have to be a person of praise so we have the preparation we have the expression of preparation 2nd Chronicles 2 and 1 and, and listen to this Solomon determined to build a house now I'm going to stop here and tell you something the, the vitalness the importance of fathers and sons cannot be overstated. David had the passion. David had the blueprint. But God said, David, you're not going to build this. But your son, Solomon, he'll build it. There are things that you will never accomplish. There are things that God wants to do that you can't accomplish unless you're discipling somebody to be a son or daughter that when God gives you a blueprint you can hand off and you can say God gave me this idea God downloaded this to me here's the blueprint and then God's going to put an anointing on a generation God's going to put an anointing on a generation to finish what one generation started I don't have time to talk about generational synergy this morning. I just don't have time, but let me just share this with you, and I'll make time. Solomon, picture of the church. His name means little light. Solomon, who was supposed to be a Nazarite. No wine, no touching any unclean animal, no eating any unclean food, and no cutting his hair. Four major things. And Solomon, a portrait of the church, lost all four things. He, 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 he touched the unclean animal, a dead carcass. He ate and drank wine. He cut his hair, and his hair was the source of his strength. And in the lap of Delilah, Solomon fell for the lullaby of Delilah and fell asleep. Solomon then loses the glory, and his vision is gouged out. He can't see anymore. So he's not only lost his strength, he's lost his sight. And when Solomon is standing in the... Sorry, Samson. It's all right. It's okay. When Samson is standing in the cellar in prison... And, 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 and they're going to use him to be a circus animal for their celebrations. He comes to the pillars and who does he have lead him to the pillars? The Bible said, Samson said to the young lad, put my hands on the pillars. I know that there are churches all over the nation 
that want to go after young people and they want a young church and they want a young expression. But what I have found is you cannot have the full expression of God if all you have is the young because it was old Samson that put his hands on the pillars because the young boy positioned the old man to be in the right place to be effective in his last years of living and so some of you seasoned saints who feel like you're on the way out and you say why couldn't Pastor Oldfield just stay here for a couple years longer I'm just going to tell you God sent me a young man to help you get in position to be the most effective you've ever been in your life in the last years of your living and the Bible said Samson pushed the pillars and in his death he, he was more effective in his death than he was his entire life so all you young people that say man I, I, we could just have church with us young people you are missing God's heart now I gotta edit more because that wasn't even in my notes <laughs> you're missing God's heart how can you say we have the kingdom but you're trying to ostracize half of God's image. It's the same way that I feel about women in, in, in ministry and women in church. How are you going to say you've got the kingdom but half of God's image has to shut up? It's not biblical. Okay. Now, I was veering off into a lane that was going to get me in trouble and I'll stay here. So Solomon determined to build a house for the name of the Lord. And a house for his kingdom, 2 Chronicles 2 and 8. Send me also, we're getting to it. Just touch your neighbor and say, he's getting there. Send me also cedar trees, fir trees, and algum trees out of Lebanon. For I know that the servants can, uh, can skill to cut timber in Lebanon. And behold, my servants shall be with thy servants, even to prepare me timber in abundance for the house which I'm about to build shall be wonderful, great. So there's a preparation that comes. And I want to talk to you about the process of becoming a pillar. The process of becoming a pillar. So our first point is the preparation. The second is process. Second Chronicles 2 and 16, we find the beginning. And we will cut wood out of Lebanon as much as you will need. And we will bring it to you in floats by sea to Joppa. And you will carry it to Jerusalem. We find three primary steps to this process. The first point that we find ourselves is in Lebanon. We will cut trees out of Lebanon. Somebody say Lebanon. Lebanon. Lebanon is a place of displacement and disruption. How many of y'all have ever felt like you've been displaced? Just throw your hand up high. Felt like everything about your life has been disrupted. Throw your hand up high. Some of y'all are in it right now, and I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Displaced. The trees... In Lebanon, these cedars were planted in large areas. They were strong trees with deep roots, all of a sudden cut down. At one moment, there was connection. At one moment, you seemed to have found your tribe. Anybody been there? I found my people. I found where I'm supposed to be forever. And then the next thing, it's gone. One way or another, whether it's because of you, whether it's because of them, one way or another, displacement and disruption has occurred. And, and here's what I know is that God 
knows how to get the glory out of everything. Whatever the reason, God knows how to get the glory. And so these cedars that are in Lebanon, they were displaced. They were cut down. They were uprooted. Then, if that wasn't bad enough, they were dragged away. They were chained to the back of trucks and dragged from Lebanon down to the sea. There are times in our lives as we position ourselves to go through the process of becoming people of the presence that you will go through things that you don't want to go through. You will be displaced and disrupted. The place you thought you might live the rest of your life has been completely disrupted. And, And to make matters worse, then you get dragged. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's spiritual. You get dragged, they talk about you. They, 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 they talk about you, they, 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 they want to say things about you and lie on you and accuse you. Come on, anybody been there? Tell lies on you, well they said this, they did that. This, this place did this, this place did that. And they would be dragged in modern times. In India, they would drag them by vehicle. In this time, they were certainly dragged by chariots or animals. And you can imagine coming down out of the woods, the bumping that's occurring, the dragging that's occurring. You're getting hit on every side and you're starting to wonder who is driving this ship? Who's driving this chariot? Who's got the keys to the car? Everything's out of control. I don't know when it's going to end, but you get dragged. But then there comes a place of development. See, because there are so many people who want to be pillars. They want to be people who are people of the presence. They want to be people that God will use, that God can put his spirit in, that God can put his fruit in, but they never want to endure development. I have watched in my life as believers who were so mature, quote unquote, who love to worship and love to praise. The second something begins to happen to them in the realm of development, they stop. They quit going to church. They quit meeting with people. They quit discipling. And they abort the good thing God wants to do in their life. It's awfully quiet in here. Because here's the reality. He works all things for my good. And when it first starts, it doesn't feel really good. It's painful. When it first starts, it hurts. But at the end, there is good. And if you can hold on, you'll see the goodness of the Lord. And so for those of you that have been displaced, let me talk to you about the next stop of development. They would bring the pillars, the wood that they have just cut down, they would bring it to Joppa on floats. But they wouldn't be on floats. They would be the floats. First, what we find in development is divine relationship. The wood would be cut in unequal sizes. 
And then they were tied together with cords and bands. How many of you understand? We are all different. Some of us are a little bit more touched than others. But we are all different. We think different. We view the world different. We view God different even sometimes. We are all different. But can I tell you something? The glory is in our difference. Revelation 5 said he redeemed us out of every tribe, every color, every tongue, every nation. The glories and the difference. That there's somebody out there that's listening to Fox News, CNN, all this other junk. And they're telling you that racism is still alive and white people hate black people and black people hate white people. And then they come to the potter's house and they see white people sitting next to black people and black people sitting next to white people. And other, other uh, ethnicities sitting next to other ethnicities. And they've got to ask the question, who's lying? Who's the liar? Mainstream media or God? Are all these people faking it? The glory is in the difference. God gets his glory out of the church and he tells his disciples, by this they will know that you are mine, that you love one another. Not that you love the world. Hold on. Not that you love the world. People, well, they'll know us by our love. That's not what it says. It says, they will know you're my disciples that you love who? One another. Because the world tells me I shouldn't love somebody who looks different than me. The world tells me that it, it, our difference is what divides us. But the Bible tells us our difference is what brings glory to him and to the cross of Calvary. That his blood was strong enough to reconcile our differences. So there's, there's divine relationships. And sometimes in divine relationships, you just get stuck with people you, ought, you just wouldn't choose to be stuck with if it was your choice. I just, can, can I get, just, uh, hold on, I'll do that in a second. <laughs> you just, you just, anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? You just get connected to people and you're like, what, how, what blessing? <laughs> What was in God's mind when he determined to put this blessing in my life? What did I do to deserve such goodness from the Lord? Come on, y'all hearing the preacher talk about this and you're saying, oh, I tell you what, I could tell you some stories. I could tell you some stories. You just get connected to people that you're just, where did you come from? Who, to, who told you to talk like that? Who told you to think like that? Like what? What, and, and, and you just can't get away from them. And you start to think about, I, I don't know that I can do this anymore. But you got to keep in mind, you're a pillar in the making. And you got to keep in mind, they're a pillar in the making. And if we can get over our differences, then maybe one day in the presence of God Almighty, we'll both stand in the glory and God will use us for our glory and we'll be able to look back and say, I don't know how we got connected, but we got connected and God got the glory out of it. Okay. Is this making sense? You all with me this morning? So, so I mean, you just think about David, the king, right? The king has been anointed on the run from Saul and he ends up in a cave called Adullam. What a stupid name for a cave. But it makes so much sense because everybody he was with in that cave was dull. That's not scriptural. That's just, they're just nuts. They're crazy men. 
The, the Bible literally said they were crazy. And the king of Israel was in this cave. What did David do to deserve being connected to wild men? He made himself available. And God said, there's a pillar in David. And in order to develop him, I've got to connect him to people that don't think like he thinks and that doesn't talk like he talks. And he's going to remember when he's sitting on the throne of Israel, he's going to remember that time in that cave where he was like, I don't know how I got connected to those guys, but I remember when I was in the cave and I wrote that one psalm that just did me, just, just, bro, just brought my heart up. And when David's sitting in Israel and wars around him, he remembers when he was in the cave and maybe he just starts singing Psalm 34. I remember when I was in the cave with the wife men and 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 this war is nothing compared to the people that I was connected to and in that cave I started singing I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth and my soul will make her boast in the Lord let the humble hear thereof and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever and David was able to transport himself back to the cave and remember I was connected to people I didn't want to be connected to I was surrounded by people that were crazy I was surrounded by people that were a little bit insane but God kept me and God used them to develop me so David is in this cave then there was deprived recognition the wood was to then be soaked in the sea for three days As it sat in the seawater, the bark of the tree would begin to fall off. And if you know anything about trees, one of the primary ways of identifying a tree is by its bark. The water in the Bible represents two things. The water represents the word and the water represents the spirit. And there are so many people that are in the process of God, but they, they, they ignore the word and they ignore the spirit and they want to sit and they want to complain to people about how hard it is and, and they want to sit and talk about how difficult it's been, but they're not in the word and they're not in the spirit. But let me tell you what happens when you soak yourself in the word and you soak yourself in the spirit and you, you lay down your will for his will and you lay down your desire for his desire, the only thing that can happen is you begin to lose your identity and you begin to pick up his identity and the bark would begin to fall off and let me just tell you what happens let's talk about somebody like Peter who was a cussing cursing sailor man rough on the edges had the answer to everything prideful and arrogant and, and the Bible said in Acts chapter 2 that when the Holy Ghost fell it wasn't James it wasn't John it it was Peter that stood up on the day of Pentecost having his identity stripped from him. I'm sure that some of those men at Pentecost looked at Peter and said, weren't you the one that cursed that little girl at the campfire? And weren't you the one that was rough on the edges and chopped off a centurion's ear? And weren't you the one that was willing to fight at the drop of a hat? And now you're standing on this porch telling us that Jesus saves and he redeems because it is in the water 
in the process of God that you begin to shed all of the things that define you and all of the things that you identify with and God begins to put his identity in you. What about Paul, who was known as Saul? No, his identity was killing Christians. So much so that when he got saved and he showed up to the apostles, they were like, don't let him in here. What are, what are we doing? What, what's he doing in here? And Paul begins to tell the church of Galatia, he said, this gospel I preach was the gospel that was given to me in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when God called me, I did not immediately go up to Jerusalem and confer with the apostles. But I went to the backside of a wilderness called Arabia. And God began to do a work in me. What was he saying? I went and got in the water of the Spirit for three years. And in the water of the Spirit, God began to flush out the anger and flush out the lust. And flush out all the things I was identified with. And flush out all the things that people knew me as. And flush out all the things that, all the things that I held dear to. God began to tear the bark off of the tree and now what I once was I'm no longer and now here is Paul one of the great apostles of the Bible who writes two thirds of the New Testament and plants churches at an alarming rate all because Paul got in the water of the spirit and allowed God to transform his life And if you're going through this process, if you feel like your life has been disrupted, you've been dislocated, you've been plucked out of where you've always been, and now you're connected to people you never thought you'd be connected to, the best place for you is the water. Because God is trying to get out of you what you identify most with. Hmm. Then there is determined resilience. After the wood was prepared, it was sent floating off to Joppa. And the wood would bump and bang into the other pieces of wood that they were connected to. And those pieces of wood had to have unbroken cords. If the cords did not hold, some would surely be swept away and end up as firewood. No, no, see this. See the vast difference. Uh, give me, give me just five guys real quick. Come up here, just five guys, quick. And, and y'all, yeah, come on. And y'all just lock arms with each other and me. And and so these wood are tied together with cords. Can we get? Is everybody physically able to get physical? Okay. And <laughs> poor Forrest, Pastor Forrest, poor Pastor Forrest. And, Maybe we should switch. This is like squish squash applesauce here, poor Pastor Forrest. <laughs> this wood would be tied together and they'd go off floating to Joppa and they would bump and bang into each other. Come on. They would bump and bang as the storms would roll. As the storms would, now don't push me over. I'm preaching. As the storms would roll. Now watch this. Brian, disconnect from Matthew and just float off over there. All of us we're meant to be pillars. But now because of a fracture in relationship, Brian's gonna be firewood. <laughs> instead of a pillar. And there are so many people that because they couldn't endure the bumping and they couldn't endure the crushing into each other, they couldn't endure the differences, 
You know what this is a part of? Stripping that identity. They couldn't, they couldn't get over themselves. And now the man meant to be a pillar is floating off his firewood and nobody's going to get him because there's bumping. There's bumping. And, and, and in the process, if we're going to be people of the presence, we've got to guard against bitterness. We've got to guard against, because listen to me, the more you let bitterness take control, the looser the cord gets. Hebrews 12 said, see to it that no root of bitterness spring up in you by which defilement comes. By which defilement comes. Because, because whenever, if you've ever stacked rotten wood on top of good wood, the good wood doesn't make the rotten wood good. The rotten, good, the rotten wood, say this seven times fast, the rotten wood makes the good wood bad. And so if somebody in this line gets bitter and he begins to bitter the rest of us, by the time it gets to the shore of Jerusalem, or Joppa rather, by the time it gets to the shore of Joppa, the wood can't even be used because bitterness has spread from one to the next to the next. And the Bible said in Psalm 133 how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity and there the Lord commanded his blessing. So if you're in the process today and you're connected to people that you didn't want to be connected to, tighten up the cords a little bit and make a decision. I'm not going to get bitter in the bumping. I'm not going to get bitter in the bruising. I'm going to keep my heart pure. I'm going to keep my heart right so that when I get to Joppa and I make it to Jerusalem, I can be used for his glory. Thank y'all. Thank you, Mr. Firewood. And we've lost so many people like Brian illustrated that got bitter that got hurt because of religion we disconnected them from the raft and off they went and we said where did they go whatever happened to so and so whatever happened to them and instead of being a pillar they're burning in a fire somewhere now here, here's the reality if you feel like that piece of wood that's floating God has the ability to step out onto stormy seas and take you that log, pick you up, bring you back to the raft and connect you again. It's still, no matter how far you've gone, thank you, Holy Ghost, no matter how far you've floated away, God still says, I want you to be a pillar in the temple. And because my heart is to reconcile you and to reconcile all things, I'll pick you up and I'll put you back in the raft y'all with me yeah. gotta be careful not to let bitterness take hold of you gotta be careful and if we're going to be pillars because here's the reality there was a pillar on the left and a pillar on the right we, we ain't gonna get to escape each other oh, come on now I, I felt that I felt that rejection y'all like I'm just in this for this season I'm never talking to this person again <laughs> And, and, and some of you right now, there's some spiritual things going on in your marriage and you're a husband and your wife and there's a lot of bumping. 
and you're watching divorce is the easy way out, don't fall for the bait of the devil. We ain't gonna get to escape each other. First and foremost, in heaven, those people that you just get agitated by, if they know Jesus, they're going to be right there next to you. And I hope, I hope there's a sign seats in heaven. And all the people, and even for me, it, sometimes I just say, God, it would just be funny if you assign seats in heaven and put all the people that just <laughs> developed me. <laughs> just put them in my row and we can sing together. Because we can't escape each other. So we have to learn to work together. Because if we don't work together, neither of us will stand in the temple as pillars. And no relationship, no fracture is worth missing the glory of God when it comes. Y'all with me? We got our heads in the cloud. It's all about the presence. So now these, this, this raft arrives to Joppa. Battered and bruised. Can anybody testify? Just battered and bruised. It arrives at Joppa. Oh, and you think, we're closer to being a pillar. Uh, but at Joppa, in modern India, they would chain those suckers up again, put them on the back of a truck, and drag them. In Bible times, they'd attach them to a chariot or an animal and drag them. This is about the time in the process where you think to yourself, I'm about to quit because I have been through so much and I'm not seeing the fruit that I thought I'd see by now. It just feels like I'm getting dragged just feels like I'm getting beat down. Just feels like I'm just bumping into everybody and there's chaos all around me. It's dragged. Here, here is the promise though. Smacked on this side, wounded on this side, cut on this side. Set Corinthians 4 and 8 said we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Then it would finally arrive in Jerusalem, and some of you are saying, finally. We're arriving in Jerusalem, and he's about to land this plane. Uh-uh-uh. Because it arrives in Jerusalem. They put it up. And all, these, all this wood in equal sizes, different gifts, they would begin to cut again. But this time the cutting was to make sure this wood's gonna be able to stand up under the glory. And so I've got to make sure that the, the bottom is level. And we're gonna hang stuff from the top, so I gotta make sure the top is level. Because when you get to this point in the process, you're feeling woozy. 
you're feeling like, oh man, I don't know if I can stand again. And so God lays you down on the surgery table and he begins to cut you again. And he's not cutting you because he hates you. He's not cutting you because he's mad at you. He's cutting you because he sees the temple and he says this piece of wood has gone through the process and I need to make sure they're cut in a way that they can stand in the temple and be there when the glory comes. And God begins to bring balance where the chaos has tried to take over. And then the building would commence. Second Chronicles 3 and 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and Mount Moriah where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place of David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. Did you see that? Solomon began to build the temple in the place that his father had prepared. He began to build the temple in the place that Solomon had prepared. And so we have, we have the preparation, we have the process, and now finally, we have pillars. Second Chronicles 3.15, also he made before the house two pillars and 35 cubits high. And the chapter that was on top of each of them was five cubits. And he made chains, interwoven chains, garlands, or ornamental, as in the oracle, and put them on the heads of the pillars and made a hundred pomegranates and put them on the chains. I want you to watch. They'd gone through all of this. Y'all with me still? Gone through this whole process, bumping, bruising, displacement, disruption, dragging, losing parts of yourself that you didn't know that you, you needed to lose as you sat in the water. And now you're standing in the temple and they have taken pomegranates and have put the pomegranates on the heads of the pillars. Pomegranates are a fruit with a thick shell and a soft, sweet core. I'm gonna stop there and talk and then I'm gonna tell you what else is in there. It was Listen, if you're going to be a pillar, if you're going to be somebody God uses for his glory, if you're going to live with your heads in the cloud, with your heads in the presence, you're going to have to be somebody that's got a thick shell and a soft heart. There are way too many preachers with a soft shell and a hard heart. And they preach like it. And they treat their families like it. And they live like it. If you're going to be used by God, you've got to allow him to develop in you a thick shell and a soft core. Let, let the accusations bounce off of you and keep your heart in a position where you can say, I love that person. God loves that person. They hurt me, but God loves them. They, they, they said that, but God loves them. And because God loves them, I love them. And I, I mourn for them. I hurt for them because my heart is soft and it's pliable. And the third thing about pomegranates is that inside the pomegranates, there are many seeds, which means that you now have the capacity to 
to bear fruit in abundance. And the Bible said in John 15 and 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. The Bible said in Psalm 92 and 13 that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God and they will bear fruit, listen, even in their old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing when you stand in the presence. And Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and I in you, if you were at Presence Conference Thursday night, he said, if I remain in you and you remain in me, then you will bear much fruit. And after you go through all of the process, after you go through all of the pain and all of the issues, you stand in the temple. You stand ready to do what God has created you to do, bearing the fruit that God has adorned you with. And now you are ready. He reared up these pillars, verse 17 of 2 Chronicles 3 says, and he named them Yaquin and Boaz. Yaquin means he will establish and Boaz means quickly. He will establish quickly. I believe, and I continue to pray this, I continue to believe it because God hasn't told me that the, the grace and the kairos of it is passed. I continue to believe that we're still in seasons where God's going to do things so quickly your head's going to spin. I still believe that God can establish all the chaos, all the process, all the things that are just out of control, and all of a sudden he establishes quickly. We have preparation, we have process, we have pillars, and the last thing, we have presence. This, this is what it's all about. Somebody come help me. This is what it's all about. This is the end result. Heads in the cloud. This is what it's about. Second Chronicles 5.13, and it came to pass. As the trumpeters sang, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpet and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endures forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And guess who was right in the middle of it? The pillars. Right smack dab in the middle of the glory. Oh, and if those pillars could talk, think those pillars would tell you the disruption was worth it the displacement was worth it the dragging was worth it the bumps and the bruises the dragging it was worth it to be in the place where the glory of the Lord 
The word glory is the Hebrew word kabod. It means the weightiness. God will not stay where he is not honored. And he will not stay where there hasn't been a space made for him to stay. Tommy Tenney tells a story in his book, The God Chasers, of a pastor friend of his that was a very heavy man, over 400 pounds. He was a pastor. And he would go and make visits to people and visit people who were sick, visit people who just needed to be half pastoral care. And he would go in their house and he wouldn't stay long and he would never sit. And Tommy Tinney asked him one day, he said, why, why don't you stay longer at parties? Why don't you stay longer with your church people? And he said, look at me, Tommy. I'm a heavy man. He said, I've broken a lot of chairs in people's houses in my day. And he said, so I made the decision that when I go to someone's house or I go to a party, before I determine how long I'm going to stay, I look to see if there's a seat that can hold my weight. And if there's no seat, I don't stay long. But if I find somewhere, if I find a pillar that I can sit on that won't break under my weight, stay if the pillars could talk I guarantee they'd tell you it's worth it it's I know it hurts I know it's painful I know I hear you it's even unfair why do I have to go through it why do I have to do this why does it have to be me why 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 couldn't it have been someone else and I could have just stayed why the Lord is creating in you a place that can handle the weight of his glory. If I'm going to live with my heads in the cloud, with my head in the cloud, I've got to understand. You know, this, these pieces of wood, their identity is all gone. You know why God did that? Because no flesh would glory in his presence. No, you ain't going to be able to tell what kind of tree that pillar is. Because it doesn't matter what kind of tree that pillar is. Because the glory's come. And when the glory comes, God won't give it to anybody else. Very reverently, I want you to stand on your feet all over the room.